The Roman Abramovich era at Chelsea was one of boom and bust, a constant demand to shape up or ship out. As a manager, you either delivered trophies or you were told not to slam the door on your way out. Under the Russian, Chelsea had 16 managerial changes in just under two decades, if you include caretaker spells. But the chaos bore fruits, delivering a slew of trophies, both at home and abroad. Chelsea's new owners have maintained the idea that managers should last as long as a red-shirted crew member on the Starship Enterprise or a Tory Prime Minister. But despite spending a billion pounds, they haven't had the success to go with it. Can Mauricio Pochettino finally find that elusive key to success or will he be dumped as well? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. As a QPR fan, my vice-captain Mark O'Hare can view this West London clash between Fulham and Chelsea with equal disdain for both sides. Mark, where are Chelsea at right now? Because I know they won in midweek in the League Cup, but overall progress has been pretty slow. Yeah, I'll answer that in a second. I'll just give you a quick uh, insight into the West London hierarchy. So um, as a QPR fan, we don't really care about Fulham. Uh, they're sort of nobodies, really. Um, <laughs> I love similar- that. I always love that in rivalries where you go, I I don't even acknowledge they exist, but (laughs) they had nothing to do with us. Right. Okay. Stick Brentford in there as well. Like neither of them have been historically kind of uh, near us. So we're kind of not bothered by them. We hate and and despise Chelsea uh, and Chelsea feel the same way to us as, uh, as we do to Fulham and Brentford. They, uh, they just don't even know we exist anymore. So uh, Fulham and Brentford is is basically the the sort of grudge game in West London. Uh, Fulham would like to think Brentford would like to think that Chelsea and QPR hate them back, but uh, they don't really. So it's kind of one way. So um, yeah, Chelsea, I probably wouldn't even realise this as a West London derby until you tell them uh, on Monday night, really. But um, going back to the question, um, yeah, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The question was, how are Chelsea doing, basically, before we we got a very informative um, talk on uh, who hates who in West London? Um, (laughs) Yes, how are Chelsea doing, effectively? That's Um, the question. But it's it's a, an interesting question because if you just look at the results, you would say very very poorly. It's just been a continuation of what we've seen in in previous regimes. But if you look at the underlying metrics, it would probably tell you a bit more of a promising picture. Um, I like to try and find a balance between the two, and for me, um, it's quite hard to find anything kind of new or groundbreaking to, breaking to say about Chelsea that you haven't heard already. But on the field, to me, they do look like a disjointed inexperienced group of players that have been chucked together. Um, obviously, injuries have played a massive part in that. But the fact that neither Graham Potter nor Pochettino has been able to form a, a semblance of a, a working team at the minute, I think probably speaks volumes of everything you've just talked about, about the the chaos behind the scenes. Um, so they do look raw. Um, they have looked like they've lacked a degree of leadership experience and composure. I mentioned last week that the decision-making and the, the execution has been a huge problem for them all season. We have seen sort of fleeting moments of, of positivity, but I think they've been incredibly erratic at the same time. And, you know, if you look at the squad and you look at the the the, the, the squad selected for the last couple of games, um, outside of the first 11, there's, there's not a huge amount there in reserve. So 
kind of beggars belief the fact they have spent that amount of money on that squad over the past year and that's what they've got uh again i know injuries have taken a part here but it, i don't think it's all doom and gloom because they only need a couple of clicks to kind of go in their direction to, to make things all look a bit more rosier because they've had 91 shots already which is the same as arsenal uh, in the premier league uh, only five clubs have had more shots than chelsea but they've only scored five goals uh, despite generating the sixth highest XG figure in the division. Um, I guess you could counter-argument that by saying the schedule has been quite kind as well. But again, we talked last year, last week about the, the calendar year table. Uh, Chelsea are now joint bottom of that with Everton, who have two games in hand over Chelsea as well. They've managed <laughs> the joint absolutely fewest. absolutely extraordinary. So, just five, five <laughs> Premier League wins in 2023. Um, the lowest oh goals God. per game output in 2023 of all ever-present Premier League sides. It's... It's really quite hard to grasp how dreadful Chelsea have been this year. So, yeah, uh, there's no way I can back them. Uh, even against Fulham, a Fulham team I don't rate at all at the minute. I think they're suffering uh, since Mitrovic has left. Uh, in the five games since he's left, they've scored four goals from 47 shots. Two of them came from kind of Arsenal errors and sort of low percentage chances. And over the course of the whole campaign, only Sheffield United have had fewer shots. Um, kind of combine that with their poor finishing. You know, Mitrovic helped Fulham grossly overperform their, their underlying metrics in forward areas last year. But Leno did the same between the sticks. But now you've got Raul Jimenez leading the line and he's just nowhere near the same threat or even nowhere near the same player he, he was before that injury. He hasn't scored a Premier League goal. a little bit, doesn't it? Because it, it, yeah. that's clearly, there's no getting around it. That injury has completely just stopped his progress, hasn't it? Which you, you just don't want that for him. You'd love him to get back to the level he was at, but it's just... It's not the same guy, is it? Yeah, it's not. It's quite sad to see, really. And you wonder whether it is a mindset thing, a confidence thing. Um, he's not scored a Premier League goal since March 2022. I'm surprised he still is leading the Fulham line. I wouldn't be too surprised if that uh, changes on Monday night. But um, I think the big, big bonus for Fulham is João Paulinha and the fact he is playing. Whether he's playing until January or not or beyond, I know he signed that contract, but... Um, his influence to me is is enormous for this Fulham team. I would say he is as key for Fulham as any player for any one club in the country. Um, without him, they are an absolute shambles. Uh, they've played six games without him since he signed. They've conceded three goals and won five of those six games. They've conceded a goal every 30 minutes played without him in the Premier wow. League. Um, he's enormous. He's just a massive leader in almost all the defensive metrics you need uh, to be successful at this level. So I think Fulham can be competitive in this game uh, just because of Jao Palinia, basically. Um, I think they'll be strong enough defensively to keep Chelsea at bay for the most part. But, um, you know, I could see, uh, you know, I consider backing Fulham plus half a goal. But the bet I really want to take here is actually the, the 2.16 available on BTTS No. Um, just considering it's landed in eight of their combined 12 Premier League games this season. I've just said both sides are struggling in the final third. They've both combined to fail to score in five of those fixtures. Um, and no side, this is quite surprising, no side in the Premier League has kept more clean sheets at this stage than Fulham. Um, they've kept clean sheets in three of their six games, which is a, a surprising return. So, um, yeah, kind of backing both teams, no in this game uh, in terms of good goals scored. Uh, 2.16 on the exchange, which I think is fair enough. The dashing doctor of data will see you now. Jake Holskathorpe with us once again. Jake, neither of these teams, as Mark says, anywhere near their best right now. Process-wise with Chelsea, do you see an upward trend or is it just... Because Mauricio Pochettino, when he gets asked about it, are you under pressure, are you worried, etc., etc., always says, no, the owners can see that we're having good performances, we're just not scoring goals. Is that true? 
Yeah, to some degree, yes. Um, I think the the process defensively is very good. Um, I would give them that. I think that they are looking very strong at the back. They look very assured, and there's been a lot of um, you know pos- uh, players that have <clears throat> come in rotation around that back line. A lot of injuries as well. Like you know, Chilwell's was in, then was out. Now hopefully he's back. In Reese James is out. Malagusto's going to be missing for this game after his sending off. Um, the centre halves, obviously Fafana's out injured. Um, you know, Badia Chile still uh, still not knocking around. So to say that they've had so many personnel changes at the back and still kind of put up really strong defensive figures, I think is a real positive that they need to take. Um, you know, just one point three xG conceded against Liverpool. Uh, against West Ham, it was one point seven, so a little bit higher. Luton, you know. Uh, they shouldn't really concede anything against Luton. Um, Forest, it was 1.15. Bournemouth, 1.3. Villa, 1.1. So they, they're not giving up many chances, which I think is definitely a good starting point. But yeah, Pochettino's right in the sense that they're just not putting the ball in the back of the net. And it's been a, a problem now for longer than just this season. It goes on to last season as well. Um, scored just 38 goals last season um, across, obviously, many different managers. Was it four in the end? Tuchel, Potter... Um, well, no, just three and Lampard. Bruno um, had a game, didn't he? Bruno did have a game, Bruno yeah. In there for a game, yeah. Uh, that was also a nil-nil, um, I think, against <laughs> Liverpool. Um, but yeah, they, they're 38 goals from 52 expected goals. So a big underperformance last season. This season, as Mark said, five goals from nearly 12 XG. Um, what, whether that comes down to poor finishing, uh, whether it's just bad luck, I think it's a longer period now of sustained underperformance where we can maybe say, there's probably not just negative variance. It's probably not going to flip a switch and all of a sudden they're going to find their finishing boots. Um, there's, you know, the, the players there obviously don't take the chances as, as they should. And it kind of begs the question, why don't they go and sign a really big big name, big money striker in the summer? They spent so much money. I know they brought Nkunku in, but he's not really that out-and-out out number nine, is he, Kev? He's more of a, a player. He can no, play he there, could but he's more been. of a... I think he could have been because he's a really good finisher. Uh, and I think he could have been, but we don't know at the moment because he's injured. And I just think putting the whole... I, I agree with you. I think putting the whole thing on Nicholas Jackson, who's had half a good season, and I like him. There's a lot to like about him. And I really root for him, actually. But it's crazy. Why would you spend all that money and then stick the whole fortunes of the team on the shoulders of a dude who's barely played at this level? It's madness. So, yes. <laughs> And and I like him as well. I think his all around game game is great. Um, <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure the goals will come, but they won't come in this game because he is suspended, which is also a little bit of a problem for Chelsea in the sense of who they're going to play. Who's the backup striker? You know, it's going to be obviously trying to play. Is, is Brozier back in fit enough to to start and lead the line potentially? He showed flashes when he was at Southampton. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, there's a, a real issue in terms of putting the chances away. Just a, a lack of a winning culture at the moment at Chelsea. They've won just eight of the last 36 games this calendar year, which I think is remarkable. Just eight wins in 36 this calendar year, all competitions. Um, the, the teams they beat in Palace, uh, Leeds have obviously got relegated, Dortmund in the Champions League second leg, um, Leicester, who got relegated, Bournemouth, who nearly got relegated, Luton, who just got promoted and will be whipping boys, Wimbledon in the Carabao Cup, and then obviously the win in midweek against Brighton is the... Probably the, their best win um, of the year so far. But yeah, lacking that uh, that striker, lacking just in general the cutting edge, but defensively they look strong. And then as Mark said, Fulham's defensive numbers are actually on the up. So the first the first three games really were where I had massive concerns for Fulham. 
Um, and it looks as though they've tightened things up, not just from an XG perspective, but so in the first three games, they conceded 19 shots to Everton, 17 to Brentford, um, and 19 in the third game of the season. Since then, they conceded seven shots to Man City, seven shots to Luton, and seven shots to Crystal Palace. So they are basically just limiting the number of attempts that they're facing, which obviously reduces the number of chances the team's going to score, XG's going to drop, and everything's going to look much better. But as Mark said on the flip side, they're not creating the chances. They too don't have that clinical finisher at the top end of the pitch. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in line with Mark in terms of opposing goals. I'm just going about it in a slightly different way. Uh, I'm going to take under two and a half on the goal line at 1.97 on the exchange. So close to even money for under 2.5 goals. I think I think as the season progresses, we'll start to see a lot more Chelsea games go under, just because I think they're, they're showing more control in possession um, and the defensive shape looks good. That I don't think they'll concede too many chances moving forward. And finally, tipster, trader and Betfair arm wrestling champion, three years running, Emmett O'Keefe with us. Emmett, as the guys have said, it seems really hard to trust either of these teams right now. Absolutely. I, I kind of, um, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's always tough when you're kind of coming into a game and you look and, and, and you've no interest in backing either team. <laughs> I was just kind of, the lads have kind of talked about how unlucky maybe Chelsea have been in terms of their finishing, combination of luck and poor finishing, I guess. But I, I guess this has been well documented, but it is, it is worth mentioning like that last season, no team had more games lost injury than, than Chelsea. And that's usually a statistic that kind of, it varies from year to year, like, and, and it's kind of it, it's largely down to luck. But already, like, they, they're I'd say they're bottom of that statistic already. Like, if you look at the injury list, it's Fafana, Nkunku, Lavia, Chilwell, James, um, Chuk Chukwemeka, easier for me to say, Badiashile, and Chalaba all out. Like, that, that, that's a whole team. Then obviously Gusto and Jackson, who's out with a ludicrous suspension, getting five yellows in six games. So I just, I think they're kind of... Puts himself about a bit, it's fair to say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, four of those bookings were for dissent. Which is... Which is mental. (laughs) It it, it is mental, but I think they've... They are... Like, Chelsea are, are definitely getting kind of sustained bad luck for a period of time I think I guess a lot of people probably think it couldn't happen to a nicer guy in Todd Bowley and I, I kind of feel that way too but I I, but, but I, I do think like it, it is a long-term play what they've done like there's there's definitely a scattergun element to it but in terms of like investing in kind of young emerging talent with kind of resale value and I, 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 I'm, I am hesitant I, I am hesitant to kind of write it off I, I, I do think I still believe in Pochettino I still think like Caicedo and Fernandez are. I think like those two as as kind of building blocks of your team is a really good building blocks. I think they're still. Oh, it could be incredible. It could be incredible. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I, I so I think there's uh, again, Nkunku is probably due back November, December. Again, like I think Nkunku, I know, like again, the like the average Joe might think Bundesliga attacks Kai Havertz, Jaden oh, Sancho. I, I think I think Nkunku's better than Sancho. I think he's better than Kai Havertz and those kind of guys. And I, I do think when he when he's right, he'll be one of the best. He he, he has the potential to push on towards kind of at least Marcus Rashford level and probably above that. So I think like the I, I still think. Like in the kind of long term for Chelsea, I think I still think there is hope, but in the kind of short term, I think it's it's kind of you you, you kind of you have to be hesitant to back them at these kind of relatively relatively short prices, especially when Jackson's absent. 
Now, we know that injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So you've got 90-minute payout now to dig you out of trouble. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18plusbgambleaware.org. Let's head to Germany. Not for a Bundesliga game, oh no. To the Zweiter Bundesliga we go because we're looking at Kaiserslautern against Osnabrück. It could only be Marco Hare. Well, uh, I think it'll be worth our while because uh, I'm expecting goals in this game. Um, you know, Bundesliga and the, and the second tier tend to be full of goals, uh, but particularly these two teams. Uh, as you say, Osnabrück, the home side, um, bagged their first win of the season last weekend, a newly promoted team. They've never really kind of sustained themselves at this level. They seem to sort of... Uh, verge between the, the second and third tiers but um they were hammered 7-0 in a game i actually watched against uh was it nuremberg or hanover uh a couple of weeks ago um and they looked every inch of team ready to go back down to the third tier but last weekend they actually beat hamburg at home so they're still bottom of the table but there's hope for this team they do offer a bit going forward they've scored twice or more in three of their four home fixtures they will be targeting this game as a potential to pick up another positive result. Uh, the issue is, defensively, they are pretty hopeless, uh, yet to keep a clean sheet so far this season. So already we've got a side who are fairly good going forward, especially on home soil, but pretty awful defensively. And um, I think that will allow Kaiserslautern an opportunity to to hurt them because uh, this is a side who, were they Bundesliga champions as recently as 98, I think? Um, yes. Have fallen, on, fallen on hard times, went down to the third tier themselves, but are on the way back up. And uh, I think they could be uh, a consideration, a contender for a top three finish this season. Um, they have started the season with back-to-back -back defeats, but since then they've earned 13 points from five fixtures, scoring 12 goals. Uh, they have got plenty of goals in them. They're looking really good going forward. The issue, again, is just defensively because six of those first seven games have seen both sides score. Six of those seven guy games have also seen over two and a half goals bank as well so uh, the only match that didn't land the over two and a half goals payout was uh, actually a 1-1 draw so uh, five of Osnabrück's seven games have also gone over two and a half goals I think a repeat of over two and a half is well within reach here two teams who love to get forwards try and score goals but two teams you cannot trust defensively at the minute so uh, over two and a half goals is a 1.75 shot which uh, just looks a little bit too big for a league which is full of goals. Yeah, Lauten won that Bundesliga title as a promoted team, as I seem to remember. And I think at the start of the season, Stefan Effenberg, when he was at Bayern, was asked about them. And he said, they're rubbish. All they do is score from free kicks and corners. And they went on to win the title. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take us not, up. To not like Stefan Effenberg to be outspoken. and have No, of course. Face. He's usually so demure <laughs> and timid. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, lots of good fun if you want to dig into the history of Stefan Effenberg. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that to you. Uh, I'm going to take us up to the Bundesliga. I am pleasantly surprised to see over two and a half goals trading at 1.75 in Darmstadt against Werder Bremen. Darmstadt have already leaked 16 goals in their five matches in the league so far. Werder have seen four of their five league games feature three goals or more. You could consider using the sports book to double up over two and a half goals and something like over six and a half or over seven and a half corners that might get you up towards evens or maybe even beyond it back to the top division in England Nottingham Forest to put a fairly healthy seven points on the board as they face Brentford Emmett does it feel like 
a strong, settled Forest team to you in their second season back in the top flight? Or is there still a few screws to turn? It really does. And I think they did something that I was really interested. I think they made a quite a strategic play with Brennan Johnson. They basically said that we've got with Gibbs White, Awanyi and Anthony Alanga, we have enough up front to let Johnson go, where we're really short his holding midfielders. So they kind of used the majority of the Johnson money to get um, Sangare from PSV. Yeah. And I think that, I, I, yeah, exactly. All the numbers would say, like, he's your kind of high tackling, kind of a really good kind of defensive screen player, which they were really lacking. The likes of kind of Ryan Yates and Freud or these kind of guys are, are just slow and not protecting what can be quite, kind of, again, I would say quite a slow, a slow back three as well. So I think, I think they, they obviously, Forrest after last year's kind of scattergun approach, they kind of sacked the recruitment staff and kind of overhaul that. And I think they're seeing, I think they're going to reap the benefits Benefits, as I've said on previous podcasts, I think Gibbs White will be playing for a top six club next season. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think he's a perfect combination of kind of athleticism, creativity. I think he's got the ability to to kind of to to, to make the England squad for 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 for, 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 for the next Euros. They, they they've unlocked um, a one since the end of last season. He's kind of on a run of these nine goals in his last nine games. So I think I think I think Forrest are clearly much improved from last season. But the bet I have is on the Brentford side, a familiar selection to anyone who's listened to the podcast all year. It's the great... It's Brian and Burmo, isn't it? It's the is Philip it? Seymour yes. Hoffman of the Premier League, Philip Seymour Hoffman RIP. It's Brian Waymore score any time. He's the second best expected goals in the league behind Erling Haaland. He's the joint third best non-penalty expected goals uh, in the Premier League as well. So he's kind of... He, he, he's doing everything you want as a forward without Ivan Tony in my role this season. If you can get him over two to one in a game where Brentford are kind of slightly favoured and you should take that. So he's 3-3.1 on the sports book to score a goal. That looks more than fair. I love trends like that. Goal scorer trends like that where the market just slowly, slowly adjusts. But until they do, then you can get in and make some profit. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. These shows very much part of our new Betfair YouTube channel. That's a non-racing channel. So we feature on that channel so make sure you like and subscribe the link is in the description lots of other good shows on the betfair podcast network as well we've got nfl only better we've got uh, a couple of racing shows as well from jake from mark from emmett and from me it's goodbye for now